All right. Now, I can preach. Part two, no video clips today. Let me just go ahead and tell you. I think we're going to do one. Hey, I'm just curious how many of you have seen the great movie War Room? Go ahead and raise your hand. Give it up. Awesome. Not unanimous yet. Uh, what have I got to do to convince you? I went for my second time. My wife went for her third time. I'm going to tell you, I'm probably going to see it again. It's that impactful of what it does. And this film God is using in wonderful ways for his honor and for his glory. Well, I want to get into this this morning. Where you pray. If I ask you a question, where do you pray? Some of you that are so spiritual will go, I pray everywhere. I pray all the time. And, that, and, and, and I would say, that is awesome. It's a lie, but it's awesome. And, and you do pray uh, at different places, and it's not confined to just something. But I thought about, you know, have you ever seen these studies like best places to live? Montgomery never ranks number one on there. But, it, but it's a great place to live. I grew up here. I've raised kids here. I, I love our city. I mean, there's a lot here. And then you got other towns like best place to live, best place to live. I just finished an eight-year term on the Go International board. Go International is located outside of Lexington. I fly into Lexington a couple times a year, and there's a, this little community called Wilmore. And the only reason Wilmore is on the map because it has a, a college and a university called Asbury, Asbury University and Seminary. At one time, this is unbelievable, with one of the leading mission-sending organizations of 1,500 missionaries, Asbury had sent 750 of their graduates out to carry the gospel. And it continues to be the huge church or a huge mission-sending movement. But I, but I was in there, and so I'm, I'm downtown Wilmore the other night. Now, Wilmore, I understand some of you young people are not going to understand this, so go YouTube it later. There was a show that I watched a lot. It's called Mayberry. Andy Griffin? Okay. And Mayberry is this like little hick town. And if you live there or live somewhere like that, man, we'll pray for you right now. Just come for it. The other night, I'm downtown after the board meeting. I like to walk, and I'm out walking. I'm walking this little bitty town. And, and I'm really thinking I'm in Mayberry, and I'm just kind of laughing and chuckling, and God's done amazing things there. But then the next day, I'm talking to Ron, the president of Go International, and he makes a comment. He goes, you, do you know, Wilmore was just ranked number one community to live in the state of Kentucky. And I went, why? I mean, they got a subway about 20 years ago, okay? I mean, it's, it's, I'm sorry, I'm like ragging on small towns. And here it is, best places to work, best, best places to pray. Here they are, in the shower, in the car, in the rocking chair. How many mom, young moms love the rocking chair? Is that a great place to pray? Okay, maybe to sleep. Okay, at mealtime, at the gym, in the bed. I know that's your number one favorite place to pray, in the bed. I know how spiritual you are. At church, at work, in your office, on the beach, in the woods, or on a walk, and we could go on and on about all these things. But I want to give you a couple quotes that I think are so critical in our time together. John Wesley says, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. To those that believe. They don't imagine or think or doubt or waver, but they believe Another great guy, his name is Samuel Chadwick, he says, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints, the Christians, from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, he mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when Christians pray. And I still believe that with all my heart. You and I 
If we have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of our life, and he's the master of our soul, and we follow him, when we pray, we literally have the opportunity to move heaven and to walk in kingdom authority above the realm of this life, and his kingdom is unshakable. Does anybody believe that except your pastor this morning? Prayer is powerful. So where do you pray? What does your prayer space look like? I'm going to talk about that today. I'm hoping to give you enough of the word to feed your soul. I'm hoping to inspire you and motivate you to move out of here in serious application mode that you apply principles and things that we talk about this morning for the kingdom in prayer. That place that we carve out. And sometimes you can carve out a, a place that we'll talk about specific places. And sometimes it no longer works for you. It becomes routine it becomes a rut there are things that you utilize you have journals you have prayer devotionals you have the bible that's primary you have these things don't ever throw out the word but sometimes there's just like some people said i've read oswald chambers for 25 years it's no longer doing it for me i understand get a new book there's just different things. A lot of you go, I love to listen to music. I love to listen to music too. Here's the only problem. If you're not careful, I mean, it'll be a great time of praise, but I'm just saying there's got to be times built into your life that there is quietness, that there is solitude, that you might therefore hear the voice of the Lord. As awesome as Christian music is, and I love worship, and it inspires me, it moves me, it gives me confidence. So many of the uh, songs that we sing have scripture or the scripture principles so the the less we pray the smaller our lives will be did you hear that the less we pray the small smaller your life and my life becomes and when we pray we begin to unleash power the power that raised jesus from the dead dwells in us and that power is released in our community that we might have the shameless audacity to pray. I know some of you will say, I've been in this church the first 19 years. I've been here 10 years. I've been here five years. I've been here five minutes. I've been here five months. You, you are really bent on prayer. I am. Unapologetically. It is that conversation with him and him with me that gives me union, relationship. And I don't know why it is it's so hard that we have to try to build a case for prayer in the church, in the evangelical church of America. And I've never seen the church of America pray less than it's praying right now. And you're saying, well, that sounds like a word of condemnation. I'm not a preacher of condemnation, but if it condemns, then be convicted today by the Spirit of God and repent and go, today I'm going to choose to do something about it. My pastor's preaching on prayer. I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to read the word. I, I just wondered this morning, what are you trusting God for in your life? Already this morning, I had one of our members walk up to me. She was deployed for a year. She's just come back recently and married. And she shared the coolest thing. She says, Pastor, can I share an answered prayer? Of course, I said, no, I need to leave. Of course, I want to hear answered prayer. And she had tears flowing down her cheek. I, I'm not going to tell you what I thought it was. I thought you were going to tell me you were pregnant. I just, I mean, you had these tears like, man, she's expecting a child. Praise the Lord, you know. And then she told me this. She goes, I was up to be deployed again for a year to Turkey and leave my family. 
And last week, the orders were canceled, and I'm going to be home with my family. Can y'all just put your hands together and thank God for answered prayer? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's the power of prayer. You're like, I mean, if you were going to Turkey, I didn't say somebody called you Turkey. I'm saying if you were going to Turkey, wouldn't you be thrilled that this relentless, audacious God, when we pray that he moves and, and that we get to see answers? So I wonder... How radical are you in your prayer? Is there a time in your prayer life, teenagers, adults, that you pray against sex trafficking all across the globe and how it's affecting young women in their lives? And there's such great movements on that. Child slavery. How about the end of destruction of the unborn babies? Do you pray against that? Do you pray for marriages to be rescued from the edge of divorce? I pray that all the time. I told you last weekend I've been praying. I just saw a marriage recently rescued, and it inspired me to pray more. Now I'm in the middle of one, and I'm believing God. In belief, you see, here's the key. In believing prayer, I'm asking the Lord to do that, which will exalt the name of Jesus, that I want to see marriages healed. How about you, church? If, yeah, yeah, come on, church. You ought to give praise to God. Our prayers have authority. A lot of times I'm like, well, we, I don't know if we could pray about that. They don't like each other. Well, they might not, but do you know there's a possibility that our God can rekindle hearts and fires and flame and passion once again for one another? Do you believe that today? Our God does that kind of stuff when we pray. You're saying, well, man, could you come to my... But somebody's like, oh, you know, I'm treating prayer like a gumball machine. I put a quarter in, God gives me something, I don't like it, and I do something else. Eh, he's not a gumball God. But... When I put the time in on my knees, and it's not my will, but his will be done, I do see things that affect the earth and people and their relationships. We start in prayer from a point of weakness. And that's where I want to look at the scripture today, the main scripture, and the thing about how desperate are we. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And, I want, and we started here last weekend, we looked at some of these verses and other verses we'll look at today, but I want you to look at this one verse today, Matthew 6, 6. It's printed across the top of your worship guide. It's in your word. It's on the screen. And the word just says, but when you pray, go into your private room. Shut your door. Pray to your Father who is in secret. Now, I want to talk about that today because I think that has the ability to change your life. That private prayer is indispensable for believers and it validates our union and our walk with Christ that the more earnestly you and I pray in private, the more powerful we can pray in groups, in corporate intercession, because the Lord knows us, because we've learned his heart, because we're dependent on him. You know, private prayer can be hard because there's great temptations and distractions to drive you from that. Who do you think's behind the distractions? It's a demonic enemy. It's Satan himself. He doesn't want you to pray. I'm a prayer warrior. I have a prayer war room. I have a study in my home because I study the Word of God a lot. You know, that's what preachers do. So I'm blessed with some places, and you're saying, well, I don't have that. That day somebody said, well, where can I pray? I said, let me tell you, your war room, open your door, the back of your door. Take down your hanging shoes or whatever, put them somewhere else, and make that your war room. And we'll, you'll see what I'm talking about in a minute. But somewhere, all of us have a place. We've got to find it to pray. Prayer's not confined to a single place. 
We can pray inside buildings. We can pray outside buildings. We can pray in our car. We can pray outside our car. We can pray in the woods. We can pray in the tree stand. Matter of fact, I suggest if you are a hunter and you have a tree stand, you should pray a lot. My stepbrother, about 25 years ago, and he's, he's a brilliant guy. He really is. Don, I tell you, he's absolutely brilliant. He, he has gone to bed with a book on his chest since he was five years old every night. Reads off the chart. But this was not one of his finest moments. One day he was hunting. Yeah, you know where this is going. He fell out of the tree stand and broke both legs. Oh, yeah, it, it did wonders for him. So, you know, if you're out there in your tree stand, you better get prayed up, you better get tied up, and you better take a friend with you, okay? Here's the other thing. I've always wondered that. Have you ever read a scripture? I want somebody to come and show me. Have you ever read a scripture that said, close your eyes and now pray? Have you? Why do we close our eyes when we pray? I've often wondered that. I was taught to do that. And then years ago, I learned to pray with my eyes open. It's always good to pray with your eyes open when you drive. I, I suggest that. <laughs> but I can walk through a crowded room. I'm walking through an airport yesterday, and I'm just praying. And if I'd had my eyes closed, I'd probably run over people, and that would have been odd. Just pray with your eyes open. I've learned to pray in services with my eyes open. And I see you. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, close, I'm closing my eyes, you know. And a lot of times I do close my eyes. But here's, here's what I think. For me, closing my eyes helps me to close off from the distractions around me. And it's a sign of respect and awe of him. That I come into his presence. An unseen God that is forever powerful. That I trust him. I, I shut the door. That, that, that verse says, shut the door, go into your room, go into the private chamber. You, you're invited to have intimacy there with Christ, a secret chamber where you found apartness, aloneness, exclusion, seclusion. You just shut in with the Lord. Lord, I'm shut in with you. It's just me and you, Jesus. Jesus likes that. Now, I'm going to say something right now is going to irritate somebody, and that's okay. <laughs> At least I think it is. I hear this all the time. My best prayer time, my prayer time is in my car. And I think that's a wonderful place to pray. And I actually, I do a lot of that too. But that should not be the only place or your primary place because there are still distractions. It's called cars. It's called other people you're watching. You know, you should be a little attentive to those things that are going on around you. I'm telling you, I think the scripture builds a case that there should be that place that we all find that we shut in with Jesus free of distractions. Free of coffee cups, free of makeup, free of uh, whatever we're listening to or whatever. But shutting, distracts, uh, shutting doors helps us to focus the mind on the presence of Jesus. Let's look at the first point. Shutting the door shifts the focus off of others. When you and I shut our door in our chamber, in our place, in the secret place of the Lord, it just shuts us off from the world, from other people, with no one to impress with no one to evaluate us just to be with the lord this scripture is going to come up proverbs 29 25 the fear of man will prove to be a snare but whoever trusts in the lord they're kept safe lord we want to run to you i want to i want to make you my safety place i want to i love what the bible says the righteous run to him the lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to him, and they're safe. I'm shutting off from the world. I'm shutting off from others. The second one here is shutting the door shifts the focus off of self. 
off of you and me. It just says, Lord, I'm here in this place. I ask that the Holy Spirit would ever be increasing and alive and moving, and he would reveal to me who you are. He would lead me to walk in the ways of the Father. He would lead me to walk in manner of righteousness. He would lead me to set my eyes upon Jesus and to fix my mind upon the author of my salvation and chase hard after him. So we, we shut off from others. We shut off from ourselves. And it's so hard to do. The psalmist in the 86th chapter, the 11th verse, it'll, it'll come up here on the screen for you. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness because he is forever faithful. Give me an undivided heart, Lord, because it gets so cluttered up and so messed up that I might fear your name. Oh, this morning, I think God's calling you and me and saying, I want you to fear me. I want you to love me. I want you to see great is thy faithfulness. Morning after morning, new are his mercies. Do you believe this morning the mercy of God is rich in this room? I do. I believe Christ has you here and he's not wanting to whisper a word of condemnation and judgment, but he wants to whisper a word of his love. Say, come. Come a little closer. Go Go in the private place with me. Go in the prayer closet. Go in the prayer room with me. In there you will find comfort and strength. The third one is shutting the door shifts God into the place of priority. The place of priority. Putting down my phone. In my war room I do not take my phone. Because that incessant dinging gets on my nerves. I, I, I imagine it gets on the Lord's nerves. And I don't want to be tempted with data and all that stuff. Uh, that I want to be engaged with him, that I want to eliminate all the noise, and I want to focus in on him and, and listen. Uh, some of you probably do this really well, and you're just being encouraged a little bit more. Some of you are like, man, I don't have a clue, or I don't know, but you talk about intimacy and passion for Jesus. Well, it's, in, it's in the prayer chamber. It, it's in the prayer closet. It happens in Bible studies and small groups and, and corporate worship, and those are great places, and the Lord invites us to do that. But I'm, I'm really hoping to build a case this morning that you will find the quiet place and you'll run there quickly and regard the Lord and be aware of his presence when you get in there. And so I'm just going to shut the door. I, I just, I just want to spend some time with Jesus here. I'm going I'm to open the door of my life completely to him. You, you see this thing about shutting the door? And then I thought about opening the door. Lord Jesus, my heart's pretty divided and pretty messed up. Would you give me clean hands and a pure heart this morning? And God, I open wide the doors of my heart, and I want you to do inventory. I want you to search my heart today, oh God, and see if there be any sinful, hurtful, offensive way within me before we get started. That's how I try to start my time. And the Lord usually shows me something to confess to him that he can forgive me. And then, then, and then to praise him. And then to begin to do business and pray for the needs of the world and the needs of you and our congregation and our city. And then, don't worry, I don't forget about me. Then I begin to pray for, for me and my needs. You're saying, well, I got it inverted. I, I pray a lot about me. It's all about me, Jesus. It's all about me. It is not. It's all about him. So, Lord, we swing open the door wide that we can have personal devotion but some of you this morning, I know you're going, but I'm so busy, Pastor, I am so busy. Well, I want to say this morning 
I believe that I follow the one that was the busiest person that ever walked the face of the earth, and he was the Lord Jesus Christ. He only had 33 years to live, and he had a public ministry three years. Do you think he was busy? <laughs> yes. Do you think the devil tried to tempt him not to pray because he was too busy? Absolutely. And over and over in the Gospels of the Scriptures, it says Jesus withdrew to a solitary place. He went out to the mountainside to be with his Father because he loved him deeply. He wanted to hear from him. He wanted to check in. So we claim busyness. Let me just say busyness is just an excuse. Just an excuse. I, some of you are busier than others. I'll give you that. But we can make time. And the Lord is trying to build a case today to say, imagine who I am. I want to whisper to your soul. I want you to draw close. The great theologian Martin Luther, I remember reading this about 30 years ago, and he says that he felt too busy to spend an hour in prayer and devotion, so he immediately stopped everything he did, and he took two hours. He said, I'm so busy, I have to have two hours in prayer, not one. I went, wow. Now, I do not want you to think I'm not spiritual. I wished I was. I wished I spent two hours in prayer every morning. I don't. I spend extended periods from time to time, and I spend different amounts of prayer and focus, and I don't know what your thing is. I'm just trying to get you today to think, uh, I want to have that time with Jesus. I, I, I feel weak. And when you feel weak, that's a time to run to the prayer closet. When you feel weak, that's a time to get into intercession with the Lord. And the last time I checked in, a lot of you are really weak. No, all of you are really weak. You're saying, have you felt my bicep, my tricep? That has nothing to do with strength and weakness. Have you looked at my bank account? That has nothing to do with spiritual strength and weakness. Only intimacy with Christ defines who we really are. So we're quickly tempted to say, Lord, a, a solitary place, a quiet place, that, that's hard to find. But, but you know what? As I was studying for this, I got to thinking about how many things that we do and how we will uh, be busy in prayer and how we go, I don't have time, I don't have time. And this is the word for me that I needed to see, but I want, to, I want you to hear it. Oh, forget it. There's no place. Even if you find some time, there's no place to do it. But you know what? We've all found, a, we found some places in our home. For most of us, we have at least one TV and some of us multiple TVs in our house. And they sit in a place of prominence in our house and they sit up on shelves and they sit on desks and they sit all kind of, they hang on the wall, they sit different places. And then we can go and we can spend hours there if we're not careful just in the form of mindless activity and entertainment, worshiping. Because when I think about idols so many times, I think, man, my TV, it can be such an idol to my soul. Lord, help me to spend more time with you. And when I say I don't have time, that is not right. So somebody today just got mad. and, and Man, I'm sorry. I, I'm not saying put the TVs in the closet. That, that's not who I am. I've had friends that have done that. I thought they were a little odd, but they have great walks with God. So who am I to judge that? And and I do enjoy television, and maybe some of you do, and some of you are on a revolt right now, like, hallelujah, I hate it. Like yesterday, can I just tell you, I'm traveling yesterday after the board meeting. I watched no football yesterday. I know you're going, well, God was purging you. I, I know. As soon as I touched base in Charlotte, as soon as I touched down, I checked ESPN, and I found out it's not a good day for the Auburn Tigers. And then by the time I got home, it was like, not good. I checked on my Troy Trojans, and not a good day for the Troy Trojans. Of course, I thought you Bama fans would at least be the redeemer of the day. So I came in, I said, Donna, I've had meetings, I've been in prayer, I've been doing all, I've been with missionaries from Nigeria and people all over the world. I just want to watch some mindless activity. 
Oh, excuse me. I just want to watch a game. And I turned on the Alabama game. And at halftime, I said, it's time for me to go check in with Jesus in the private chamber. I'll DVR it. True story. To about 11, meeting with Jesus, getting ready, went to bed. First thing I did this morning, I greeted Jesus, and then I have to confess, I picked up my phone, and I said, Siri, can you tell me, did Alabama win? Not a good day. And then I get here today, and it's amazing how all of you go, let's just don't even talk about football, let's just worship the Lamb of glory. (laughs) You know, and based on that, we may never win a game again, guys, when you think about it. If I was the God of heaven, and I was trying to get your attention, and when you win, you don't have time for me, but when you don't win, you're like, praise the Lord, bless the name of God. Let's bring all our pagan football friends to worship with us next weekend. Uh, We're not pagans. We're just a little ridiculous sometimes. Does does that speak to anybody? Anybody get mad? Look look here. Here it is. I got a picture right here. That's my war room. My back area, caught the war room. Your name might be on that wall, okay? And I'm always adding little sheets of paper, little things. You go see the movie, you'll see the whole concept. But I've got that place that I found for me. And you say, well, I don't have a space. Do it on the back of your door. Do it on the visor of your car. I mean, if you're really, really so busy and you live in a 10 by 10, I mean, that would really be a small house, 10 by 10, okay? But if there's no place for you, find a place just to go to the secret place with Jesus Find that place. Look, fill it in here. Find a place and a time to be with God, to consider his word, to pray, to consider your work, your life, in the context of his will. Lord, help us to develop holy habits at Christ's community. That we're lovers of Jesus more than we are anything else. And we want to spend time in your presence. Designate a time. Now, here's a word that my spiritual mentor told me years ago, and it makes more sense to me as I get older. At the time, it made no sense. But you have to protect your sleep time to rise earlier to meet with the Lord. If you're staying up late, it's very hard to get up early consistently to meet with Jesus. So you just have to do that. Another thing is if you're trying to rise and meet early with the Lord, set your alarm clock across the room. You learned that when you went off to college, didn't you? I mean, when, you know, personally, I have used the snooze button twice in my life. I, I knew that was disastrous. And I hear people all the time like, Pastor, I wanted to come meet with you, but I hit the snooze 32 times. Pastor, I couldn't come. I hit snooze. I hit snooze. And I'm thinking, I don't know who created snooze, but maybe there's some more clocks. I don't know. But it, it's just not helpful. I mean, you just, when you wake up, you got to get up. You know what I'm saying, church? Some of you are like, well, that's easy for you to say. Well, no, it's not. Take prayer equipment with you. Take your Bible. Take your journal. Take your devotionals. Rehearse the truth of God's Word when you get with Him. Let Him shape you in the chamber. I'm just kind of revealing to you what I've been learning over my pursuit and journey with Jesus to try to encourage you. If you want to be a spiritual champion for the Lord, young or old person, you've got to have private time with Jesus. You could do every Beth Moore, Priscilla Schreier, every Bible, Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley, every podcast. You could do everything. And you could have all the spiritual jargons, and you could have filing cabinets loaded with notes, but it would not make you spiritual, necessarily. It's private time with Jesus. Does anybody agree with that this morning? I just got to be with Jesus. I just got to spend time in his presence. And, and spending time there, I, I want you to turn over to a verse that I found. Turn over to Psalm. The Psalms, the book of Psalms, Psalm 55. Can you turn there with me? Psalm 55. And as we turn there, I want you to look at uh, verses 1 through 7. Look at this. This is great. 
Listen to my prayer, O oh God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught. At the voice of the enemy at the stairs of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me, and they revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that if I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. But listen to my prayer, O oh God. Do not ignore my plea. My plea. My cry. When we're desperate, God moves in new ways. I'm just wondering. I'm getting more desperate in my life for the life of our church. And I just wonder if it's around the corner that God is going to supernaturally flood this place with his presence because some of us just get desperate enough for Jesus. Just a serious thought to consider. Prayer is the language of a man burdened with the sense the need I need the Lord friend you need the Lord you need him deeply so what are you doing are, are you moving toward that look at this I made some statements how long did Jesus stay there when you look there in the scripture you see that everybody was looking for Jesus so that tells me he must have withdrawn he was exhausted from all the public ministry and the healing and the raising the dead and cure and the blind and the deaf and just all these things he was doing and feeding people and teaching the word of God. I mean, he was, he was tired, so he withdrew, and they're looking for him. I thought, well, he had his priority right. Prayers are battles. Can, can you write that down there? Prayers are just battles that you and I have to face, and they're serious battles. And they're battles that are, that are difficult. They're battles for our souls. They're battles for our family. In Luke 22, verse 44 it says, and being in anguish, this is Jesus speaking, he prayed more earnestly, more fervently. And he sweat, his sweat was like drops of blood, and they fell to the ground. And there he is, the Messiah. He anguished with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his physical being, to the point of drops of blood. I've never had any drops of blood. I've never been in that kind of anguish. But the Bible says the Savior was. And I was just wondering, what kind of battle are you and I in this morning that we're fighting for truth, that we're fighting for the Lord to move in our midst? And then I, I feel in here, prayer is a declaration of dependence. And this morning, I pray that you could join me and I could join you and our, our hearts and hands would link together. And we'd go, Lord Jesus, I'm dependent. I seem to be self-sufficient, but I am not, Lord Jesus. You are sufficient one. Would you make me dependent on you? Have you reached that point in your life where you're saying, I need, I need Jesus. I need the Lord more than I need a raise. I need the Lord more than I need a friend. I need the Lord more than I need whatever. I need the Lord. Lord, I'm desperate for you to show up and to show out and to bring your glory and to fill this place. And Lord, if you want to know the truth, I'm just recognizing I got some serious limitations. And all of you already said, you're just figuring that out? We know you have limitations. I do. A lot of them. 
And I'm absolutely powerless and weak without him. But I want to encourage you this morning to realize if you're trying to think you're self-sufficient, you've deceived yourself. If you're self-reliant and you think, I can do things better than anybody else, I think you're headed for a crash. Acknowledge, write this down today, acknowledge your powerlessness. Acknowledge that you're powerless without him. But with him, you can do amazing things. Your willingness to let go of the desire to control your life and trust him. I like control. I bet some of you do. I know some of you do. You've told me, and if you didn't, I knew it anyway. But I think the Christian pilgrimage is a lot about Jesus having full control. Definitely taking the steering wheel. So now Carrie Underwood's going to come and sing, Jesus, take the wheel. No, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that song. But anyway, no. The truth is, we want Jesus. Lord, would you steer this thing? And, and, and I've told you before, but some people get so excited, like, Jesus is my co-pilot. I'm so spiritual. Let me just tell you, you just talk about how stupid you are. Jesus is your co-pilot? I tell you what Jesus told me a long time ago. Get in the back seat. If you don't act right, I'm putting you in the trunk. I got this. So one of my biggest jobs as pastor is to not try to take the steering wheel, but also is not to let you have the steering wheel, to let Jesus have it. Amen? And we get in the back seat, we get to go for a ride. You remember when you were little and mom and dad were driving and you're just back there bouncing in the back seat and you're just thrilled? I know today nobody understands that because you've got all your devices and you don't even know mom and dad are in the front seat. And you get there and they say, get out. But when I was growing up, man, we didn't, I mean, we didn't have eight tracks when I was growing up, okay? I mean, I, I'm, I'm old as dirt, okay? And so, you know, we just sat in the back seat and looked, you know, and we, and we counted cows on the side of the road on trips for fun. And when you came to a cemetery, you had to bury them. True story. In the 60s, we'd go to my grandmother's. Let's count cows. And if you go by a cemetery, you have to bury all of them. Woo! Let's do the ABC game. I mean, life has come a long ways, baby. But I'm just wondering, Jesus is in the front seat. I want to trust him. I want my life grounded in prayer. Do you want it grounded in God today? Lord, I want to be bold. So today, I'd give you this thought. I could preach for hours, but I won't. Some of you said, praise the Lord. That's an answer to prayer. Write it down. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes you. This whole series, I hope when it's done, two more weeks to endure. But I hope it's two more weeks of motivation and inspiration and conviction and challenge and change. I think prayer will change you. I really believe that prayer will just change your life. And it moves us to new places that the Bible says, when you come, ask, seek, and knock. And the door will be open to you. And I'm just wondering this morning, have you been asking? Have you been seeking? Have you been knocking? Have you been persistent? You know, you remember this? Not my mother, not my father, not my sister, not my brother, but me, oh Lord. Here I am. I'm standing in the need of prayer. And everybody's like, oh, man, that's good. Can we sing it? No, we ain't going to sing it. Okay, it's kind of a hokey song if you want to know the truth. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Okay, I don't even think that was, I don't know where I got that tune at. That was pitiful. You know why I'm not your worship pastor. Okay, but, but here's the bottom line. Are you in need of prayer today? Are you desperate today? So you walk away from here today, you go, well, pastor, what do you want us to know? I want you to know that prayer changes you. I want, I want you to go in your room. I want you to know it pays to pray. I want you to know 
Oh, what peace we forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, said the hymn writer. All because we do not. Yeah, did you notice all the older people, Earl and all them? Earl, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just, I got to throw you under the bus because you have a God voice, okay? I loved it. You heard Earl and all his friends, and we, they finished it. And the rest of you went, what scriptures he reading? I never read that one, man. How do you know that one? Because Earl loves the house of God, and he sang a lot of hymns, hadn't you, Earl? Yeah. All because, just peace. You forfeit it. You don't pray. So here it is. Today, commitment, commitment Sunday. I'm calling you to a deep spiritual commitment to commit to your prayer chamber and to begin to pray and see God move. Because I just, I, I just got through this missionary the last couple of days. And one of them had a church of 15,000 in Nigeria. And I was just saying, whoa, you know. And this other guy was telling about this and that. And, and let me tell you what I learned. I've been reading this and hearing it for years. And one of the pastors, Sylvan, that I met with, should have, maybe I'll put his picture up next week. His wife's an eye doctor in Nigeria. And she's connected with a group in Houston. And guess what she's doing in Houston? She's decided to go get another degree in Masters of Public Health. And she's an eye doctor. Her husband's preaching the gospel all these churches. But I said, what's your wife doing in Houston? He said, well, she's come to study. But what she's really come for, our country, listen, listen, our country has sent her to be a part of a missionary task force to bring the gospel to America. To America. We've been sending the gospel, and China and these countries of the world, they long for our education and our seminaries and all the things that we have. We're really blessed. But now nations, and I've been reading it for years, but I'm sitting there and he goes, very humbly, your country is lost like ours, Keith. And my wife is here as a part of a delegation to pray for the salvation of America. So the world recognizes we need Christ. Do you? Let's pray. Lord, you're good. And you are holy. And you're majestic. And you love prayer. And I pray that today somehow by the spirit of Christ and the living word, you would have your way and you would shape our hearts and you would lead new people, and everyone in here, young and old, you would lead us to a place of prayer like we've never had. Change our hearts, and change our, our hearts, and change our church until you come again in the name of Jesus. Amen.